0: What happens when two parent coaches, one a Christian, and the other an agnostic Jew, sit down to talk about parenting? They take their listeners from surviving to thriving. I'm Dina Thayer, and I'm Kira Dorian.
1: Welcome to Raising Adults, a
0: podcast brought to you by Future Focused Parenting. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Raising Adults. Dina and Kira here, and we have a very special guest with us today. Today, we are going to talk to Dina's daughter, Sienna, who, as all of our listeners know, is in her first year of college. And the reason we're going to talk to her is because she is a raised adult, which is very exciting. And Oftentimes, I think that as parents, especially as future-focused parents, we're constantly trying to do what's best in the long run, but you don't know what that's actually going to look like. And there's a little bit of, like, crossing our fingers and (laughs) hoping that when we get there, we made the right decision. And I think it's going to be really helpful for you to hear from someone who's been raised this way and what were the benefits and what were the parts that maybe were hard, but now she can see the benefits and that that will just help you continue to do what's best instead of what may feel easiest in the moment. So Sienna, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you. Glad to be here.
0: Dina, do you want to just say hi? Because no yeah, one's heard you Yeah, I yet. am also here. <laughs> and
1: I am glad my daughter is here. But for obvious reasons, I'm not going to primarily interview my own person. And I'm super excited. I'm proud of her. I'm excited for you as our our special listener to hear kind of what this end product can look like and just hopefully it's an encouragement to you Um, so but you probably won't hear from me a ton because I'm gonna let Kira chat with her and I really want you to hear from her and hear from her experience of the good the bad and the ugly of what is it like to be raised by a future focused parent (laughs) what's great about that what is she thankful for but maybe where are the places I fell down because I do that too (laughs) right well we all
0: do right um, and so before I, before we start, Sienna, before I start asking you some questions, I have to take a moment and tell, tell you, listener, lovely listener. And by the way, if you're new, welcome, welcome. to the laundry room. You should see the three of us. Uh, we will post a picture. <laughs> we are planning to take a picture. It is cozy in this laundry room today. So if you're a new listener, welcome to the laundry room. We're so excited to have you with us. So I just want to say, so, you know, I hadn't seen Sienna since she left for college. And so when Dina and Sienna showed up today... I was like, before we start recording, you have to tell me everything. And we sat down on the couch and I asked a million questions, which is completely unsurprising. Um, But what I want to share with you is what I watched... Dina do while Sienna was talking to me because it was so lovely and it's such a testament to the relationship that they have and the kind of parent that Dina is. So Sienna's telling me all these things and I'm sure most of it is stuff that Dina had heard because they have a great relationship and they're in constant conversation and Dina's eyes were on her the entire time. Like she was really listening. And I see parents all the time where their kids are talking and their eyes are wandering and they're just seemingly not that interested in what their kid has to say. And this woman sat there so interested in what her daughter had to say even though I'm sure a lot of it she'd heard before. So it's it's just it was a beautiful thing to see and I just encourage you listener to really give some thought to that active listening. Are you actively listening to your people? Because even when they're tiny, that active listening is going to turn into them wanting to tell you things, which is why Sienna and Dina have this beautiful, filled-with-conversation relationship. So on that- <laughs> yeah, warmed my on heart. On that wisp- wispy <laughs> note, Sienna, tell us a little bit. How's college going? Let's just start there.
2: It's going great. It's been really beautiful. It's been really fun. I've realized a lot of things. I'm excited to talk about them.
0: Tell me something that surprised you.
2: I- Oh, my gosh. I'm going to sound like you guys scripted me here, but maybe that's the goal. I, <laughs> <laughs> it's been really surprising to me to see for the first time how my family is different than other people's families. And a lot of my friends have wonderful relationships with their parents, too. But there is something distinctive about mine. I'm sure you guys would say that's the future-focused bit. But that's, that's actually honestly been one of the things that's been the most surprising is – getting to see my family through other people's eyes for the first time, because I grew up around people who have known me my whole life. I went to a tiny little school. I don't know if my mom's talked about it, but almost everyone there had known me since I was five. And so my family was not weird to anyone there. And so getting to school and getting to hear, oh, that thing your family does is not something that I've ever heard of, was really odd, but really cool. And it's been really rewarding to hear my mom's style of parenting and my dad's style of parenting complimented Mm. from other people my age.
0: So like, give me an example, something that someone was like, wow, I didn't (laughs) know families did that.
2: I think I can think of two. The first time I said, I either said something or someone actually overheard this happening, but I said something about talking to my mom about sex and about relationships. And especially my female friends were very surprised by the fact that my mom and I have open conversations around relationships and around our bodies. And I think a lot of that came from the fact that my mom is a birth worker and I never shut up about that. Anyone at school (laughs) will know. I'm like, hello, my name's Sienna. My mom's a doula. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But... um, I, that was something that really surprised people was the fact that we have open conversations around that. And then the first time I got on the phone with my dad and I said what had happened in my day exactly how it had happened. And I was with um, my friends and they said, you didn't cut anything out. Like mm-hmm. I they were with me the whole day and they knew that what I said to him was actually what I thought. And it was the same way that I would tell my friend a story at dinner. that's how I tell my dad stories over the phone. And those were one for each parent Mm -hmm. that I think were surprising.
0: I think that's great. And such a testament to both your parents that they've created these open dialogues, Mm -hmm. a safe space for you to talk. So here's my question about that specifically. What do you think they did that led you to that? What were the choices that were made when you were maybe even small? That you can look back and be like, it's because of those things that I felt like I could talk about my day. I could talk about sex.
2: I could ask questions. I think, honestly, before your kid will talk to you about anything, you have to talk to them about it. And I think that I was raised in an environment where my parents were starting conversations. And so I felt like I could start them at this time in my life. So it started when I was four and my mom brought out the dorky sex books. I don't remember what they were called. Do you remember what they were (laughs) called? I think they
0: were called the dorky sex books. Yeah. Oh, no, that's (laughs) the official official
2: title. title. (laughs) (laughs) But it started by my mom having those conversations with me so that now as an adult, I can come to her with my stories and my questions and by my dad not filtering things with me. Obviously, some things aren't appropriate to talk to your kid about. But I think I was watching my dad treat me like someone who was worthy of having a conversation and who was capable of having a conversation. And I think I would watch him tell things to his friends. And I knew that if he were to tell me that, not a lot would look different. Um, And I think that that's really important to treat your kids like a they're capable of talking to you and B they're worth talking to. And I had parents who who have done that equally and because they were starting conversations, now I do, but it, it was really work that was done on their end. It wasn't me as a precocious 5-year-old being like, "Let's talk about sex, mom." <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I
0: heard the salt and pepper song. Yeah, I mean? <laughs> honestly.
2: No, it was it was 100% work that they did. That's awesome.
0: Okay. So then what are the things as you kind of come into your own adulthood, you're on your own, um, what are some of those future-focused choices that your parents made that you're really reaping the benefits from now? Not so much in relationship with them, but at school, even compared to other kids or not, just things that you're like, wow, that my mom or my dad was thinking about that when I was six or seven or eight, and I can see now in college how that's paying off.
2: Um, The main one that I can think of is... The fact that I haven't had rules since I was 16, that was the biggest thing. The first – actually, the first time someone said your parent's parent, weird but cool, was because I told someone I don't have rules and I haven't since I was 16. And then I explained how it had happened, which I'll explain in a second. And the friend that I was talking to said – I'm going to do that with my kids. And that has happened so many times where I've talked to someone at school and about a decision that my parents have made. And they've said, and they've literally written it down and said, I want to do that with my kids. And I just make it sound like all I do at school is geek out about my parents' parenting, (laughs) which I would say is not true, except that it pretty much completely is. Um, But I think that that decision which which is one that you know my parents had to make together my mom can't make a decision about me not having rules and then you know not include my dad because it would be really awkward for me to not have rules at my mom's Mm. and then go over to my dad's and still be treated like a kid and so that was something that he chose to lean into as well Um, but with something like that you can't just suddenly take away rules at 16 and so i watched her (laughs) for years have these contracts. (laughs) Um, She had these lists of rules starting when I was 12 or 13, I think, um, that laid out explicitly these are the rules that I still had to adhere to. And so every year for uh, four or five years before I actually got complete freedom, I was gaining more and more. And so it wasn't something that happened all at once. I was watching her make intentional decisions about now you have control over your phone. Now you have control over transportation. And with every freedom that I got, I was also getting more responsibility. And so it meant that one, when I was 16 and I had freedom, I also knew how to handle the responsibility of it. I think it would be irresponsible to give a 16-year-old absolute freedom with no introduction. I think something like that needs to be eased into. And I watched it happen, which was really cool for me to to watch that intentional step in her parenting. And I think that it's, to this day, the best example of future-focused parenting. Because I was actually watching it happen and I was signing these contracts every year on my birthday. And when I turned 16, there wasn't anything to sign and it was exciting. And I knew that it was intentional because I graduated a year early. I skipped eighth grade. And so that system got bumped back a year. And so I knew that it was intentional because if I had graduated on time, I would my rules would have gone away at 17. But because I graduated a year early she knew I I was going to need more time to prepare because I had less time before I was going to actually go be an adult and go be on my own. So that was really cool for me. And my dad leaned into that too and letting me have freedom. And I, I remember the first time that they told me, you don't have a curfew and you just need to figure out what time you need to get home in order to go to school in the morning. Or if you have if you have work in the morning, you need to figure out what time you need to be home. And if you don't sleep enough, that's on you and not on me. And I appreciated them letting me take responsibility for that because it meant that if something went wrong, it was on me, which is what my life is like now in college. If I don't get to bed on time, I just I just don't sleep as much. And that isn't on my mom or my dad. And so having practice with that was really beneficial for me.
0: It's just so nice. You're saying everything we say and how great that was for you. I mean, it's, it's, it warms my heart. Um, okay. Let's talk about the stuff that maybe in the, in the moment felt really hard that you were mm-hmm. like, Ugh, you know, and that now you can see how that paid off how that made sense? Are there things, because I mean, obviously, every child is at some point going to be like, you stink. Um, (laughs) So what were those moments? And and how many of them did you kind of circle back as now in adulthood and go, oh, that was actually, thank you. Thank you for doing, (laughs) thank you for making my life miserable in that moment.
2: I think the main one, and this won't be surprising to my mom, was with my school. And I love the school that I went to. And I am grateful that I went there. And I'll start with that. Spoiler alert, I'm grateful. But I, that was definitely the hardest point for for my mom and I was, there was a point where I left my school and then my mom and my dad made me go back. And I hated them for that. Let's not mix words here. <laughs> um, I I was not a fan of that decision. I didn't want to go back. I didn't understand it. I think that it was partially that I wanted that decision to be mine and partially that my school is hard and I and I love and I loved it. But also there were challenges that came just with the nature of what my school uh, was and is. But looking back, I, I think this speaks for itself that the next year they they gave me the decision of where I went to school. That was my junior year. And I chose to stay at that school. Mm. I think I think that speaks for itself. And then also that now, again, anyone who listens, I'm like, let me talk to you about parenting, birth work, and my school. Um, but <laughs> I I loved my school. And that is and we got to a point, I think, right before I graduated, where finally I was like, thank you for making me go back because it there was really not a better place for me to have been for the last three years of my high school. But it took me until the middle of my senior year to actually be able to admit that. And I, I could not have graduated from anywhere else. That school made me who I am. But... It was not easy in the moment, and I hated her for it, I'm not going to lie.
0: <laughs> so how was it presented to you? Because, mm-hmm. you know, I i know that you guys have such a great dialogue, and, you know, Dina and your dad are not, you know, authoritarian parents, mm-hmm. right? So how did they present to you, like, we, we're hearing you, you know, you're, you're almost fully grown, but we have to make this decision. Um, how was that presented, and how did you then respond to that even though you hated her was mm-hmm. there a part of you that there, there was enough trust there mm-hmm. you know do you understand what i'm saying yeah. like i just want to hear like how that all went down
2: yeah so this was again looking back this is something where i i look back and i go they they had my best interest at heart and they were thinking intentionally about how to present it to me so what was said to me was we hear that you don't want to go back to the school but We've decided that this needs to be our decision, and this is our and this is the decision that we're making is that you're going to go back there, and I, and it was explicitly said we're not trying to make you unhappy, but we also need you to know that your happiness is not our end goal as parents, and which sucked to hear. and as a 14 or 15-year-old, I was so mad about that. And I remember talking to my friends and being like, can you believe my parents said they don't want me to be happy? Um, which wasn't what you said. No. And I and I realize <laughs> that now. Okay. At
0: 14, that's, no, that's exactly it. No, how you would that's what that. I heard. <laughs> yes. um,
2: but, and I realize now that what they were saying wasn't, we want you to be miserable. What they were saying is that our goal is what's best for you and not only you being happy. And there's a difference between wanting your kid to be unhappy yes. and not only wanting them to be happy. I think, could I have possibly used more adverbs there? Wow. OK. <laughs> but I, I understand now that what they were saying is even though this will make you unhappy, we know that it's what's best for you. And that was something that was explicitly said to me. I think you knew at the time that I wouldn't understand it. But looking back, that's exactly what it was, is it was something that was the best for me, even if it made me unhappy at the time. I realize now that if I had if they had done what would have made me happy it probably wouldn't have gone as well and and I think they knew that but but again they saw the bigger picture and I didn't.
0: Well and I mean it's a testament to like when your mom and I talk about chores right? No kid is like, you
2: know, what makes me really
0: happy (laughs) (laughs) is doing chores. But we know that what's best for them in the long run is that they learn how to do these things Mm -hmm. so that they can live a life that feels simpler, more easy. Like I know how to do this. I know what responsibility Mm -hmm. feels like. So it's that that same idea across the board that, Mm -hmm. of course, we want our kids to be content and happy in life. But sometimes actually there's short term pain involved to get them Mm -hmm. to that
1: spot. And now you are right. You Mm -hmm. are happy. So, yeah, I think that's I think that's great. And thanks for your mention of all the adverbs. You can see now that this is my offspring because I talk all the time about being a word nerd and she very much cares about grammar just like me. <laughs> I
0: love it. So anything that you feel within that future focus, because obviously that's our topic You know, every week. We're talking about how do we take this thing and apply a future focus mentality. Any words – of wisdom to mm-hmm. parents out there or things that, you know, now that you're through this experience that you look back and you're like, actually, that could have been different or it would have been nice if that was different. Um, and I know mm-hmm. that you and your mom often talk mm-hmm. about feedback and that she welcomes it. So I know Dina's yes. super ready and not going to be offended at all. But I'm curious, you know, as we talk about this thing, where are the pitfalls, do you think, and, and what would you have liked to have been different?
2: I think that the best thing about having been parented in a future focused way is also the worst thing and that's that we have a lot of conversations and uh, <laughs> Can
0: i just interrupt you because when my children were born right i'm a mental health professional right when my children were born i was like i know exactly what they're going to be in therapy for it's going to be all we ever did was talk about our feelings
2: <laughs> so i love hearing that that is so funny and so true <laughs> Go on. No, it's it's wonderful, honestly, that I am – I when I first got to school, I went through a rough patch about six weeks in where I was probably – I was on the phone with one of my parents for probably three hours a day, and I, I think that's probably underselling it, Um, which was wonderful that I knew that if I was struggling, one of them would pick up at any hour of the day. I called my dad more than once at 1 a.m. Um, because I, I know that my mom gets up early and she will not pick up for me at 1 a.m. <laughs> but <laughs> and that meant a lot to me and so things like that I'm so grateful for and the fact that we talk about sex and I talk about my day without a filter that is beautiful but also it means that my mom I'm I'm only going to talk about my mom on this one because she's who's here Um, but I, I my mom is really invested in my life and that's really great but at times we've talked about it being an overinvestment and sometimes there were things that needed to be my own that became hers as well. Mm. And so we've had that conversation a lot as, as I've become a young adult and we've navigated the awkward, um, <laughs> I'm an adult but also your kid, um, we've, awkward, we've navigated that awkwardness basically and that has been the hardest part is sometimes I would... I talked to her about her personal pronouns and the fact that sometimes I would be talking about something that I needed to do and I would get a call from her a couple of days later that was like, so when are we going to take care of this? And I, I had to say, mom, this isn't a we, this is an I, and I'm going to take care of it and I need you to trust that I'll take care of it when I'm going to. And we've already had this conversation. This isn't the first that she's hearing about it. I'm not just dropping this bomb on her No, Anna. it happened just
1: this morning, actually. <laughs> but the difference is now I catch myself. I'm like, so are we thinking we need to? I'm like, oh, are you thinking we need to? <laughs> I think my favorite part about this is that we are back in, like, a word nerd no, land. we're back like in the pronoun land. of you land. are
0: having this conversation. It's about pronouns, mom, the pronouns. And- <laughs>
1: oh, but gosh. we do, I mean, as communication people, we do really mm-hmm. believe words are how you create meaning. Yeah. And so it's important to me that... I'm being a helpful meaning maker mm-hmm. with her, and so I had to pay attention to that. Like it's not a we anymore. She's over there, 300 miles away, making her own decisions. So I don't, mm-hmm. I don't get the same vote.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I'm sorry. Did you finish your thought? Yes. Okay. So I'm curious, then, Dina, from your perspective, hearing that, what do you look back on, and, and where do you see that, and where do you feel like, oh, I, I can see how that spot, or I wish I'd, I wish I'd overall done that a little differently. Any. Thoughts on that? Yeah, it's
1: really hard to pull apart for me, but here's the main one is that when she talks about overinvestment, for me, what that looked like is when things were happening for her, I was Mm -hmm. getting worried about the reflection on me
2: Mm. or
1: how it would present me as a parent instead of going, you know what, as I teach her to. In my opinion, maturity is twofold. It's making decisions and taking responsibility for what comes of those. And so I wasn't really letting her own her own maturity if I was worried about the fallout of a decision impacting me. And so that's where it leaks over instead of just being concerned for how that goes for her, going, oh, also, how does that boomerang Mm -hmm. back? And we have to realize separating out, oh, you know what? That's my issue. And I need to remove myself from that. It's very hard. This sounds really so hard. It's, I'm just making normal sentences, but it's not an easy thing mm-hmm. to do. And so it's a slow, like, extrication process. And for me, I think it's like the pronouns are one of the last things to go. It's like, mm-hmm. I, because we were we for a long time. What are we going to do? She still lived under my roof or was dependent on me for transportation or paying for an activity or whatever. And now it's not the same.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's interesting because
0: I. You know, my kids being so much younger, I am so aware of that and constantly trying to to juggle that. And especially as a parent coach, oh, my goodness. It's like you go out in the world and you tell people you're a parent coach and your kid just acts like, I don't know, an eight-year-old. <laughs> and suddenly you're like, oh, I'm a parent coach and and my, mm-hmm. my children are supposed mm-hmm. to be perfect, but they're not perfect. And is it a reflection on me and da ba da 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 And it, it gets really complicated. Even if you're not a parent coach, it gets really complicated because – it is really easy to feel like our kids are a reflection of us. And in, let's be honest, actually, in, in, some in a lot of they ways are. they are. Mm-hmm. So where's that line between, yes, they're a reflection, but they're
2: also their own people? Mm-hmm. Thoughts, Sienna? Yes, thoughts. I'm sitting over here. I'm, like, raising my hand and bouncing <laughs> in my seat. But... um, Oh yeah, I get to talk about Mark. This is the best part of my day always. Um, so my brother and I have had some really interesting conversations since you guys have started this podcast. <laughs> um, oh, because and it's it's that exactly, but from the other side of there's pressure being the child of a para coach, and we've had conversations about this with our mom of there's there needs to be a line between work and. And our home life, which is hard because you have made your home life, your work life, because your job is parenting. And so Mark and I have said to her before, we don't want to be ground zero for podcast material mm-hmm. and some things need to stay our business. But Mark and I felt that because if, if we're struggling in our relationship with our mom, we don't want it to become a reflection on her career You know, Mm -hmm. and that's a lot of pressure as a kid. And and Mark and I have talked about that, about about we want our our business with our mom to be our business, but we also want her to succeed. And so we want her to look like a good parent coach, which means that we need to look like good kids. And that's yeah, that's just an interesting side note. And I think it's still something we're very much figuring out. Mm -hmm. But. What a unique situation to be in as a kid. I, I, There aren't like support groups for kids of parent coaches, but <laughs> maybe, <they're laughs> maybe, maybe, but but no, that's just, that's just been an interesting dynamic, and I think we're still figuring it out. And I think that on the whole, mom does a fantastic job, but it has, it's been a thing we've needed to talk about for sure.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I, your mom and I definitely have moments for both of us where we're trying to walk that line of protecting Our children's privacy, Mm -hmm. protecting our privacy, um, being authentic, and still being good at our jobs. And that Mm -hmm. is very blurry and complicated. Yeah. But I will say this, like off of what you said, like you and Mark are great kids like Thank you. <laughs> you, you are you're great kids and and no matter what complications come up nothing changes the foundation of who you are as people you're mm-hmm. wonderful kids and your mom is a wonderful parent and a wonderful parent coach and whatever intricacies are existing in your relationships don't don't reflect on that but it's easy to feel like it does mm-hmm. right it's like yeah. well parent coaches must have perfect children and they must be perfect parents mm-hmm. and i can tell you the day i had two days ago will tell you that that is not <laughs> true <laughs> um
2: but, yeah, it is. It is an mm-hmm. ever, ever complicated thing. Oh, one more thing. Um, y- earlier you were talking about some of the things that I noticed that my mom was doing. And I have actually never talked to you about this. Oh, that's Exciting. scary. Drumroll. Scary sentence. Um, <laughs> But I noticed the books you were reading. And that is. As you were growing up? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And I, yeah, I have, I have never talked about this with her ever. But I was seeing her read parenting books. And I don't shepherding a child's heart and then like shepherding a teen's heart and then shepherding a young adult's heart. There's so much shepherding. shepherding. But (laughs) but and then and and just a plug for my mother. She does this with everything. I see her read books on everything. Um, If there's ever something going on in our family, she's learning about it. And that's just a plug for you as a person and not just you as a parent. So anyway, my mom is great. Hmm. But um, I was I was literally watching her learn about how to be a better parent to me and as and as someone who's becoming an adult now it is it is hard y'all to to be motivated to learn about things that you don't need to learn about especially because I'm in college I, I my mom walked in on me reading the other day and she was like reading for pleasure right <laughs> um because we don't have we don't have time to learn about things that aren't required and I don't I don't have to learn about things other than speech communications and theology. And so actually doing that is a lot of work. And I watched my mom put in that work, which was was really special and something that now is now sticks with me as as someone who has watched you become a good parent. I know why. You know. Well <laughs> Now we're both crying and <laughs> fine, I'm fine. Listener. I just want you
0: to note that the (laughs) chick that you're listening to today is 17 years old. (laughs) This is an articulate, smart... What are you studying? Tell us again. Tell us all the things. How old are you? Where do you go to school? What are you majoring in? You guys are going to love this. Oh, my gosh. And your favorite food. Okay.
2: Oh, okay. Wonderful. I'm 17. I go to Whitworth University in Spokane. And my full major title is long. When I added my second major a couple months ago, I said the full title for one of my friends and she said, you need to never say that out loud again. (laughs) Uh, Yet here we are. (laughs) So I'm majoring, I'm double majoring in communications on the speech communications track and theology on the history and culture track with a concentration in women and gender studies. And I'm minoring in biblical languages. So that's the big boy. I have the BFA in drama. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Um, favorite food, I don't know. Oh, yeah, favorite food. I do. What is it? I know your favorite restaurant. (laughs) Oh, Chipotle. My favorite restaurant is Chipotle. Awesome. All right. Well, as we wrap
0: up, I would just like to hear if there's anything you'd like to say to your mom. Mm -hmm.
2: And then, Dina, if there's anything you would like to say to your daughter. Oh, dang. I was really trying to avoid crying. That might not happen. Okay. Thank you for parenting me on purpose. I never felt like you were winging it, even though I, I'm i sure you were at times. i I'm not stupid. I know that there were times where you did not know what you were doing. But I think that as a kid, it's important for me not to feel like what was happening to me was an accident. And so even if it was, it didn't feel that way. Um, and so actually, if I were to tell you one thing, it was that you did a good job. Dang it. Um, <laughs> because I feel like you seem so confident in in your work and in your life, but I have heard you say that you don't always think that you do a great job. And you really do, on the whole, do an amazing job of parenting Mark and I. Um And you didn't ask for this, but I'm going to say something to my dad, too. I said this to him the other day, so I wouldn't cry on the episode um, because I was like, I'm going on the podcast and I don't want to cry when I say it on here. But my my dad also did an amazing job of making me feel heard and like the things that I had to say mattered to him and they matter to both of you, which is really amazing. And also thank you. You and dad for not letting you guys' relationship impact Mark and I's lives. And I had divorced parents who cared about their kids more than their divorce. And I, and that has been the thing in all of my parenting, my experience being parented, that has meant the most to me is that you and dad really put Mark and I first. And yeah, I'm going to stop talking so I stop crying. Okay.
1: <laughs> it wasn't fair. She got to go first. I know. So I'm I had sorry. to, like, work to hold it in so then I can make a sentence. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck with that. But actually what I said earlier it, uh, makes me glad you offered this opportunity because I was like, oh, but I want to say this. And that is that even though it it at times was an overreach and an overstep to be overinvested and to make my amazing high expectations for you end up feeling like pressure. Mm-hmm. I have to say that in all the ways that you do reflect me, I am so proud of that because I'm I'm so thrilled to have you out in the world as any sort of representation of the stumbling, bumbling job that I tried to do. <laughs> so, I mean, you're an amazing person and I am just so proud of you and proud that I had anything to do with that. So you're, yeah, that's all. I love you.
2: Oh, I love you too. <laughs>
0: Okay, so we're gonna just mop up the puddles our, on the floor. <laughs>
2: um,
0: but thank you for being with us today. I really hope that it was helpful. I gotta say, it was helpful for me. I have eight-year-olds. I'm still like, <laughs> I know this works, but you it you want to you want to have that faith that this is the conversation it's going to lead to that your mm-hmm. kids going to want to be your friend and thank you and be grateful for the things that, even though they were hard and that you're going to feel proud of who they are and who who you launched into the world. And, and I just think that um, Sienna and Mark are great examples of that, as are both of their parents. And what an incredible job that they've done, especially doing that apart is mm-hmm. a phenomenal testament to both of them. So... Thanks for being with us, Sienna.
2: Thank you for having me
0: and making the, me cry. We look forward. <laughs> we will definitely have you on the show again. I know there's Yay. a couple topics you, you want to mm-hmm. focus on and talk about, like, what was it like to be parented around this particular topic yeah. in this particular way? And we're really excited to have you back. Mm-hmm. So um, thanks again. Well, listeners, if you have not yet subscribed to the podcast, please do on whatever platform you are listening on. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Future Focused Parenting. For more information on us or for private coaching, you can go to futurefocusedparenting.com and be sure to check out our shop section because we've got those online courses on there too. Thanks so much for being with us. Raising Adults is produced by Kira Dorian and Dina Thayer and today Sienna Dumal and is recorded in my laundry room. Music by Seattle band Hannah Lee. Thanks for listening.